Welcome back to the Remedial Film Class Podcast. I'm your host, Dan. And I'm Travis. And I'm George. Hey, George. What's up, dude? Can you do me What's a up, favor? Dudes? Big question. What's up, sluts? Oh, jeez. Oh, hey, uh, once we're uncancelled, can you do me a favor? Uh, sure. Can Anything. You, can you think me up a cup of coffee and a chocolate donut with some of those little sprinkles on them? Think you up? He didn't get it. Oh. oh boy! Thank you up. Oh my God, Warner, what are you doing? <laughs> no, did I just mi- totally miss that? Yeah. Oh my God, it's it's one of the fun quotes in the it's movie. It's like the best line in the entire movie. He says Noah, what there. are you doing? He says I'm thinking. He says, well, think me up a cup of coffee and a chocolate donut uh, with some of those little sprinkles on top, will you? Uh, as long yeah. as you're thinking. Mm. Yeah. Hmm. Uh-oh. Welcome back to the Remedial Film Class Podcast. <laughs> I'm your host, Dan. And I'm Travis. And I'm George. Hey, George. Yeah. Did you actually watch the movie tonight? <laughs> I I think so. Okay, good. Uh, we watched the <laughs> 93 classic, The Fugitive. The Fugitive. The Fugitive. Not, opposed, not to be confused with The Fugitive, which will get you sued by Ohio State University. Okay. Because <laughs> they have now trademarked the. The. Really? Yeah. The. Interesting. Yeah. I always thought it was the fugitive. <laughs> You're not even going to reprimand him? There you go. There it is. That must be an All East right. Coast Midwest rivalry thing. The fugitive versus no, the. No, well, I think fugitive. we use both. Yeah, we kind of use both. I mean, I don't, don't, don't give up your identity for me, man. If you want to be yeah. a the fugitive camp, go for it. <laughs> We already found that it is the American Werewolf in London, or an American Werewolf in London. And the Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we watched little... Anne Fugitive tonight. It was great. What did you think, George? I think this is going to be a very boring episode. Oh, boy. It's always boring when we all agree. Not really. No? I have to pretend I don't like it. No, so you guys can beat me over the head with it. No, the arc of I this like... show is not tension between disagreeing parties. The arc of this show is you seeing a film, understanding why it works, and wishing you'd seen it twenty years ago. Because what the hell, dude? This movie's been out forever, and it's wonderful. Okay, well, I loved it. Okay, good very night. well done. Bye, right. everybody. Good night. <laughs> yeah, there you go. See, <laughs> very very boring podcast. Uh, so really, well, you you liked the movie, George? I did. Yeah, it was fine. It was fine. It was good. No, it was good. It was good. It was good. <laughs> it was good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where are the tortillas? It was, it was good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> what? All right. So this movie made me want to be a U.S. Marshal. <laughs> okay. Today. See that? Like, uh, I, 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 yeah. Again, every time I watched, I think, man, this, what am I doing with yeah. my regular? I should be doing this. I, I just mm. really enjoyed Tommy Lee Jones, every character in his movie, but the the top three. Like when, when I started watching it last night, I told my son, I was like, the, these these three guys, uh, the Daniel Roebuck character, Joey Pantoliano, and Tommy Lee Jones. I could watch an entire 10, 15 season series of these guys. Big fans. Mm. Uh, got Julianne Moore. Yeah. I 
I recognized her name, but I didn't recognize you didn't, Well, her. last time you saw her, she was not clothed. She was in Boogie Nights. She's like the lead female oh, in yeah, yeah. Boogie Nights. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. And she's also Clarice in uh, Hannibal. the second Hannibal. Yeah, the Hannibal movie. Yeah. The after, I, have, I have not seen it. Yeah, after uh, Silence of the Lambs, they couldn't get Jodie Foster back, so Julianne Moore stepped in and played the same... Same role. I gotcha. I have not seen that movie. I think I avoided it because you guys kind of poo-pooed it, so I just didn't ever watch it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's better than great. Red Dragon, so what's up? No, I'm just kidding. It's <laughs> not better than Red Dragon. Huh. What What else have I seen Tommy Lee Jones in? Uh, he looks super familiar to me. Old Country for, uh, no Country yep, for Old Men. No Country for Old Men, yep. That's it. Men in Black? Yep. Uh, the what the he's he's a huge character actor. He was Two Face and Batman, but you didn't see that. I wouldn't you know? even call him a character actor. I would call him a leading man. Yeah, but he's always playing a character. Like to me, leading man, Keanu Reeves. No matter what you put him in, he's going to be Keanu Reeves. No, he's he, trying to play a character. He just has yeah. limited, uh, you know, accent But he gets range. the job because of his, who he looks like, what he, what he looks like, who he is. Uh, he's, he doesn't really play characters. He plays himself dressed up. I think Tommy Lee Jones kind of loses himself into the character a little bit in every movie he does. He, he doesn't pull a Samuel Jackson where it's like full change, full hairdo change, full, you know, character study. But he does, I think he, he plays different people enough to where I, I would call him a character actor. Well, but I a think lead, the term character, character actor has like a specific definition. Yeah. It's and somebody I think you're like, misusing it. Yeah, but I'm, I'm altering it for me. What's a, what is a character actor? Character actor is like a, somebody who, who is like in the, always like two, three, four parts behind the leads, plays the best friend or plays like quirky cop or whatever but he's always like shifting he's like a shapeshifter he can play all different kinds of things he's not like the lead of the movie dan is that your understanding well from the definition i'm going to read you from a dictionary uh paraphrasing here it's an actor who specializes in playing eccentric or unusual people rather than leading roles okay Uh, okay. so when you think about people who show up like uh the entire cast of best in show is it's all character actors. Uh, the lady in this right, movie, Jane Lynch, true. who my wife and I both adore, she mm-hmm. is um, the doctor with blonde hair, short blonde hair, who's at the beginning a little bit and helps out at the end. With the uh, liver samples. Yes. yes she is yeah. a character actor. She Definitely. plays eccentric characters in all kinds of shows and until recently never really was in a leading role until mm-hmm. I think Glee was probably her big coming out party as like a, yeah. know, a focused character. And even then... From what I understand, because I never watched that show. Because I mean, come on, uh, I never, I never she seen was pretty it either, eccentric but, on the show. But a te- but a teacher <laughs> in a show about kids is going to be a supporting act- actress anyway. So yes, uh, still a character actor, just with more focus on her. But Tommy Lee Jones, leading man, carrying movies. Okay, I won't argue with that. He's not eccentric enough. He gets pretty uh, eccentric no. uh, when we get around to watching Under Siege. Uh, you will see a rather eccentric version of him yes mm. so vincent d'onofrio is a character actor yeah okay you don't get a lot of movies he centered around vincent the cell. d'onofrio he, 
Yeah. Private pile. Pretty much private pile. Right. Hmm. Interesting. I stand corrected. No, you sit corrected. I am sitting. Yes, I'm sitting corrected. Twice. Actually, Dan's favorite character actor is uh, is the guy who plays Chucky. Brad Dorif. Love that guy. But yeah, always eccentric, always odd, never the leading man. Uh, which isn't to say wow. he's a bad actor. Like he's actually a fantastic no. actor, but yes. he never gets. You never get the movie where he's the lead. You know, Chris Sarandon, handsome lead guy. Brad Dorif, weird supporting guy. Guy. Right. He's no Dick Hansley. He's he no, Dick, no Hansley. Dick Hansley. So let's talk about the structure of the movie. Yeah, shall we? Or, uh, you know, lack thereof. Was it boring? Was it? Was it? the perfect example of everything we were trying to do with the other movies that weren't hitting the mark. This did hit the mark. I dare say. Kinda, yes. This one was, this was tight. Yeah. It was, the story was tight. The plot was tight. The, the characters were, uh, they were acted well and they were, uh, I, I want to say likable. I mean, the ones that were supposed to be likable were, mm-hmm. um, but you kind of, as you're watching, you you get invested in it. So it sucked you in. There wasn't uh, too much. There wasn't too much outlandish shit, and there was except for the jump. The jump from the dam was a little much. Yeah, I had to forgive it because it was yeah. the '90s. They, you know, they couldn't. It could have been they a smaller dam. They couldn't CGI <laughs> it. I don't know. Well, the if stunt... you've ever played Minecraft, you know that all you have to do to survive a big jump is land in water at some point on the okay. way down, and you're fine. So yeah, but that jump looked like he didn't get enough <laughs> distance from shit that no no it looked like he rode the side of that wall all the way down like when they did it in first blood it was way better because they he jumped he went through some trees he took on some damage uh but it was it never seemed ridiculous it was like a like he went into the trees and that's where he got his his uh the same kind of yeah contusion but i don't know and and abrasion but it just seemed more realistic in First Blood than in this. It was just the jump was too high. Well, the 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 dummy was terrible. Yeah, that first shot of the dummy was not the first great. shot. Yeah, but it's, uh, it looked like there were a few shots where it was somebody who jumped. The last shot could have been a person, but it's so obscured I wouldn't be able to tell you. But that first shot yeah. and probably the second shot are would have to be dummies, and the first dummy positioning is weird. But like. Was, you know, you're Very watching this bad. in the theater in 35 millimeter. You're eating yeah. your popcorn. You don't have a chance to focus on it like we do nowadays, where it's like, you know, 4K in your face. Like, I don't know. I forgive that. Yeah. One. What I think is weird yeah, about yeah. that scene, I it's iconic, it right? Like they reference that scene in The Simpsons. They reference it all mm-hmm. over the place. And now George, you'll probably pick up on it in other stuff. You'll be like, oh, that's the fugitive yeah. scene. But here's probably. the thing: for me, that scene is the exchange. I don't even think about the jump. Like, yeah, you'd spend all this money on this big fancy jump. You didn't have to show me any of that because the scene for me is I didn't kill my wife. Mm-hmm. I, don't I don't care. I don't care. Like, that mm-hmm. is the yeah. delivery. That is the exchange. And the rest of it, meh. Don't even need to see it. They could have showed him jump off out of frame and never show the the body going. Like, Yeah, I think that's probably that. what I would have done if uh, if I was the producer and... I saw the way that looked. I would have said, ah, we, we can't just, we can't put that. 
I wonder yeah, though you if gotta... you've already shot it and spent the money, if there's pressure on you to use it anyway, because we already spent the money. Well, you got to do, you got to Spielberg it like you did with Bruce's shark. You just got to edit the shit out of it so it looks good. Yeah. 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 But I'm not, uh, I mean, no, I'm not shitting minor. on for that. I mean, that's, the, you know, there's only so much you can do, man. I mean, you know, the, the what I was going to say though is what the stunt uh, where uh, Harrison Ford jumps out of the bus as it gets hit by a train. Mm-hmm. That was sweet. That was really, yeah. really good. Yeah, that opening train scene is legitimately awesome. I mean, I mean when the train hits the bus and he's jumping off of it. Like that looks like like Tokyo style, Mm -hmm. you know, where there's no... Yeah, I wonder how much of that was controlled. Right. It looked really, really good. Yeah. And I'm I'm not sure, but I mean, it looked looked real as shit, so... (laughs) What's funny with this movie is Harrison Ford is notoriously known for his uh, inability to run. <laughs> <laughs> like, since Star Wars yeah, and Indiana Jones, the first Raiders of the Lost Ark, just watching him run looks painful. Yeah. So when he's running in this, I'm just like, oh, my God, I feel so bad for his knees. <laughs> his body is just moving, like, extra. He looks like Dan Marino when he would try to run for that extra two yards at yeah. the end, and you're just like, "Oh, don't know." Yeah, it's just something he does with his body. It's just if I saw him running, like if my eyes were squinted, I would. Oh, that's Harrison Ford running. I mean, not just, unlike Steven Seagal, but yet right, way different. Thank God. Oh no, Steven Seagal is totally different. He doesn't look like he's in pain when he's running. He just looks funny. He looks like he's being chased <laughs> by bees at all times. He looks like Phoebe when Phoebe <laughs> runs through the park <laughs> on Friends. Uh, my wife's brother uh, looks weird when he runs too. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I tell my wife. He just looks super uncomfortable. <laughs> you know, like. Now I was uh, trying to Jet- think as I'm watching this movie today. Have we seen Harrison Ford on the show yet? No. And George, are you aware of Harrison Ford? Yeah. Okay. I mean, we can't take anything for granted. You just asked who yeah. Tommy Lee Jones was, so. I mean, That's I true. know. Yeah. Well, I, I I recognized him, but I, I I couldn't place where I'd seen him before. I suck at that kind of stuff. Mm. But yeah, Harrison Ford. He was in uh, uh, that movie, little art house flick called uh, Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. A Indiana, bunch of them. Indiana Jones. Yep. No, that's yep. not right. Indiana Jones. Yep. Uh. American Graffiti. I don't think I've ever seen that. Uh, first, uh, what's the one I'm thinking of where uh, where there's like robots that like really look like people? Blade Runner. Uh, Blade, Blade, Blade Runner. Blade Runner. That's right. You yeah. did. You did watch that with your cheating class. Yeah. You, your side own. side chick. Your side. Your side chick. Yeah. And uh, I think actually uh, the next uh, the next movie that Maureen is going to pick was uh, Raiders. Raiders, which I've which seen before a long do. time ago. We should probably do that at some well, point. Let's. Well, I'll but you've hold seen off. it, so it I doesn't s- matter. I've seen it, but, but it was it's... a very, very long time ago. I'd like to watch it again. But what's funny is, uh, this movie is where the one-armed man phrase comes from, and uh, Vienna has watched the mask. What's the one-armed man phrase? Well, it's kind of like, like Dan saying with the the exchange. Before he jumps, it's the one-armed man is like 
in the 90s that became like the joke like the man in the grassy knoll when everybody says oh i was the man in the grassy knoll okay it became the one-armed man because this movie that's all he talked about yeah, was the this movie man permeated pop culture to a point that any other show or movie after it would be like hardy 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 it must have been a one-armed man hardy hardy is that is that what uh, the princess bride is referencing when it's when they're talking about the six-fingered man no no that's no. a man with six fingers no, no, yeah. no, I mean, but is that like a <laughs> like a different version of the same thing? I like, don't think they... so. When did that come out? Like 89? 86, something 87. like that. Oh, uh, okay, so that no. came out before yeah, it this. Became this. No, it's just this. those are two different men who have anomalous uh, appendages. I, yeah, I just it's think just like the myth. Like the, oh, yeah, sure, he had one arm. Yeah, and he killed your wife. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, it almost sounds like exaggerated. Right. You know, to oh, the yeah, point yeah, of like, like the one-armed man did it. Yep. But yeah. in the mask, he 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 says, "It was not me. It was the one-armed man." <laughs> and my kids have no idea what that's from. Now now Gabe will know because he watched this with me. Right. But uh, and I had to warn him. I was like, because he he watched First Blood with me, and once we got about a half hour in past the train and you know the the jump and all that stuff, I said, "Hang in there." The whole movie is not just him chasing him. It's it's. I said it's. Mm. They're establishing something, and then there's going to be more of a story here. Yeah. But I could see his face. And you he's could just see his hand now. reaching for TikTok, like I am bored, old man. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, what is with the, like? I could tell his face. He was like, is this going to be like a chase the whole time? I, you know, I kind of felt that way too. Right. Uh, around the same time, uh, you know, I'm I'm thinking. You know, first blood was like that. Like, the whole movie was a chase. Yes, yeah. yes, but this this movie, I was thinking like, you know, obviously the fugitive gets gets away, and and you you think it would take some time for the cops to find him, but like yeah, they on were it. on him right away. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, oh my god, it's like a half an hour into the movie. Like how like they, there's got to be like a break here, right? And there wasn't for like the next half hour. I'm like, Jesus Christ, is this going to be two hours of this? Well, yeah. and you have because to think that you have to take time and recognize this movie does something a lot of these movies would be tempted to do something different. Everyone in this movie is competent at their jobs. Yes, there's none of this cop yeah. out bad writing. Like, oh, he made a bad mistake because he's a doofy bad bad. You know, these Wait, guys are all that. executing the whole time. Check that. The marshals are doing their. The cops in Chicago are the Keystone cops. I don't know, man. They like, did kind of establish that that they were they, just kind of rushing to judgment. They. Were I would never say that they were Keystone value. cops. What I would say is the Chicago cops are so defensive of their prior work of themselves that right. they're unwilling to even entertain the notion that because how cartoonish does it sound? I mean, from their perspective, this guy who's at the scene, implicated by his wife's phone call, even if by accident. No breaking and entering, and he's blaming a cartoonishly figured, man, you know, disfigured individual. Yeah, uh, it, it you can't blame. No, that him. was understandable. Like, I'm that's talking not about at bad. the end that's when they were still stuck in their to... story. Well, and and here's the thing: they didn't know, they didn't have their chance for realization. Plus, you have to love the way that they set up that final. Let's give to the end here: the final siege, where mm-hmm. really his only choice is to give himself up to the marshal for protection now. Like that flip right. on the, the interaction yeah. is so good. I wouldn't yeah. call them Keystone cops. I I think I'm saying that because the two the one cop I think they definitely have like a small dick syndrome going on. <laughs> the one cop you know? was the weak link in the movie. 
The one with there the was one cop the that was. Oh, the guy who was actually in last week's movie as a street cop. Yes. That was guy. he? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The guy. Because the other guy was in the the Dark Knight. Yeah, but this guy, uh, the the one you're talking about, with the glasses and the real heavy Chicago accent. Yeah, the accent. Yeah, 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 he yeah. he was a street cop in Chicago in Primal Fear. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah, he must be a local that they used. <laughs> like he's like a union actor from uh, Chicago because he's uh he looks like a one trick pony. He kind of reminded me of like a like a uh, a nerdier uh yeah more tightwad version of the officer that was in was like running the interrogation in uh manhunter no the The interrogation no (laughs) the interrogation where she opens her legs Uh, she the uh the frig is that movie called basic instinct yes okay he's it's Jesus Christ! His legs. <laughs> Holy ch- I'm like switching my legs back and forth. Like you oh, know geez. what the fuck I'm talking about, dude. I'm like, okay. kind of glad this isn't a video. Podcast. Why? Can't... I started sweating like Newman. <laughs> so are you Why saying like I... Newman? Like he's he's like a Newman type guy, or yeah, yeah but he's like a... he's like nerdier and like and just like Taller. tighter and and like more like I I don't know anxious. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, I did not like him. But again, I forgave him because he's in one of my favorite. And movies. he's an unlikable character. Yeah, that was it. It came across. He is unlikable. Yeah, uh, I'm on it. So, anyways, anywho, <laughs> did you notice that the opening scene where you've got flashbacks to the murder is doing like a weird fuzzy color inversion thing, kind of like Manhunter? Mm. I was yes. getting Manhunter vibes. I'm sure other things have used that. Yeah, but just in that lineage of late '80s to early '90s crime movies. What I love from that is every time they showed them, they pulled back a little bit, so it kind of had like a jalo jalo feel, where it was like, "Here's the murder; it's happening in front of you, but you're not seeing all the details." Yep, yep. And then as they back up, and you start seeing now, you're seeing the guy who's in the room first. They show him with the glove on, hanging the phone up. You don't see his face. And then the next time he has a flashback, you're seeing it from Kimball's point of view. Mm-hmm. Like it just, they were giving you more and more information as the movie went on, which yeah, was Yeah, so cool. kind of like the, the screen is getting wider. Wider and clearer. You, like in the yes. beginning, it was very like, uh, you know, contrasting, you know, almost like a, like a digital, like VHS, mm-hmm. like a, not a digital VHS, but like a, a, a grainy VHS. And then as it, came to light everything got clearer yeah it was fuzzy was cool. it was like yeah, it was a, fuzzy uh, it was Very like Man-Hunter-ish. a like a like a memory that you you know that you mm-hmm. that you wake up with like from out of out of a coma mm-hmm. like amnesia kind of thing it's like i can remember something and that's what reminds, it looks like that reminds me that the acting that seal award does in that scene when they finally reveal the phone call mm-hmm. so good because yeah. it was subtle. Like she was yeah. completing, like, it was almost like somebody sat down with her and said, listen, blunt trauma to the head. You're going to have a conversation, but it's going to be very mellow and very, like, it, to me, it was just the opposite of like an overactor that would be like almost like, <laughs> like almost like overact, yeah. overreacting to, to, I'm, I'm doing a dying scene. Right. And she was very subtle. And you don't see that a lot. 
I liked it. Yeah, she was great. And I like that they do the primal fear beautiful? opening where it's like blood covered obvious suspect goes straight to, into the arms of the police. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. there's a real uh, overlap there between those two movies. But the difference was one knew he did it and one did not do it. So, And it I don't like, think you were ever really supposed to even consider the fact that he might have done it, which is an interesting choice. Like, I think a who, lot of Kimball? movies... Yeah, Kimball. You would never okay. expect that Kimball would have done it. No, because they showed how much in love they were. Like, and it was I wonder, not... like, is that part of it where they... Is that part of the, like, success of Primal Fear is you're coming off of a movie like this where you would never even entertain that he did it. So when you watch Primal Fear, you think, oh, this kind of feels like The Fugitive, but, like, hmm. I know he didn't do it, so now let's see if they can get him off. Oh, God! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. does that help play into your expectations in 96, yeah. I wonder? Yeah, because if they wanted to throw you off, they would have had them have a fight at the ball or, like, something that would have made you think, okay, well, maybe he did do it? But they showed them completely, like, a team. I have to on- tell you, I, I did not uh, rule out the fact that the dude might have split personality. Okay. You know, at first. I mean, obviously it becomes clear that, you know, he wasn't, you know, it wasn't Fight Club. You know, right. he wasn't fighting himself in that room. So, uh, or, <laughs> shit, maybe it was. But, well, the whole hired thing at know, the could very have played that way. Like, he hired someone to go kill yeah. her. Like, mm-hmm. They could have done that. Yeah. But at the very beginning, I didn't, I didn't rule it out that, it could have been him, because I didn't know. I didn't know why he had blood on him. I, like they didn't explain any of that. It kind of like unfolds as the as you know as like the 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 court case, which was like what five seconds. Mm-hmm. Uh, how that un- how that unfolded, they kind of like flash back and explain some things. But when he's just you know getting in the cop car for the first time and he's got blood on him, you're like, what the hell? Yeah, you know. Well, the real court case was going to happen once he, you know, breaks it, breaks it on his own. Like you, they didn't have to waste that time because they had so much other things they wanted to establish. Like yeah, I'm, I'm and, not complaining yeah. that this wasn't a, a courtroom drama. I'm right. just saying no, I, just, I thought it was going to be, and and the court <laughs> yeah, it was the like courtroom scene was five seconds, and then that was done. And I'm like, oh wow, he's like, uh, oh great, that's that's not going to be the focal point of the movie. No, let's no. let's get on to what is, and we did. It reminded me a lot of Ghost as well. Uh. Like Ghost would be a lighter version of this movie. Not as much uh, sexy pottery in this movie, though. No, there's not. But the complexity as the movie goes on, because it's so, it's so, uh, what do you call it? It wears it on its sleeve until you get further into the movie. Like it, it just seems like it's so one dimensional. Same thing with this. Like it, it seems so cut and dry. So. T- and then all of a sudden it's like, oh no, there's layers. Well, and that's the thing that I love about Fugitive is it gives you enough up front that it's it's never cheating. And right. we'll probably get into breaking down some of the later stuff in a little bit. But, you know, even up to the point at the party at the beginning, you hear him say, okay, well, hey, you put gas in my car because you borrowed it. Mm-hmm. You know, it puts you in that. But the way that they're acting and the way that the movie's moving, the first time you watch it, you're not going to register as like, oh, I bet that's part of it, you know? Mm-hmm. They play it off as just like friendly dialogue for a friendly character that will definitely not double cross us. <laughs> <laughs> but next time you watch it, you're gonna be like, "Oh, that bitch!" Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're like, "Hello, Newman," when he comes on the screen next time. Yeah, hundred percent. Because you already know. 
<laughs> so the uh, the stark contrast between this movie and Primal Fear, uh, with what you were saying last week, Dan, about how like the level of drama mm-hmm, in a movie mm-hmm, should mm-hmm. be greater than a TV show, and like the grandness of the whole thing should be, you know, grander in a movie yeah. than a TV show, and how Primal Fear reminded you of you know Law and Order. The I I it's so clear to me what you're saying now yes. after watching this because the the it just it just escalates and escalates mm-hmm. and escalates to a point where yeah you don't get that in even a TV things show. as this normal is... as a parade seems grand yeah like it when you watch this it's like oh this looks like a Christopher Nolan movie yeah compared to you know an episode of Mm-hmm. And a lot yeah. of that even comes down to stuff like equipment. You know, on a TV show, you're going to have a crane, but it's going to be one of the smaller ones. And when you have like helicopter shots and overheads and high angle yeah. shots and stuff, it just it opens yeah. up to a grandness that they just don't spend money on on TV. Yeah. And Primal Fear just well, never got big cinematography yeah. wise. Right. Yeah. If they were to make Primal Fear, it would be a TV. Sh- it would be a TV movie, and it would have more feel to it. It'd be like today. an eight-part HBO miniseries. And That's yes. exactly what I was thinking. And yeah. that would be okay. It'd but it would be feel like a movie because the the equi- like you said, the equipment would be there to where it felt bigger. Yeah, yeah. There'd be drone shots and stuff. You'd be like, yeah. oh wow, and look at and him run through the hills covered in blood. And also <laughs> the you know the drama and the. Uh, uh, what do I say? You know how far up the chain this uh, you know conspiracy goes. Right. You know it's not something that you get in a TV show. It's something that you get. In a, well, in they a tried movie. to do it in Primal Fear, but it was but a diversion. it was just distraction, right? Right, and that's that. It wasn't that, the plot, <laughs> right? And that's why you know Dan had a, you know had a problem with it, and that's why we watch this next. And this <laughs> and this used that, right? And and it I did it in a in a way that paid off mm-hmm. and uh it was grand yeah but the you know what at the end is great the thing yeah. about the conspiracy in this movie you don't really get it all sussed out till like an hour and a half or more into this movie and you really would yeah. you don't need it for the first half of the mm-hmm. movie to work you know this isn't like right the x-files where they're teasing it from the very first episodes and you're just waiting to see what happens this movie is functionally awesome on its own and then it escalates into what could feel like a cheat, but they don't. They they do some things. They take some moves that, even though it's not really heavily involved in the beginning of the plot, it doesn't always feel like a cheat in the way that like because what I kept thinking was Friday the Thirteenth, right? You're two thirds of the way or more into the movie. Oh hi, I'm Mrs. Voorhees, right? Like what? Mm-hmm. Who? What? Why? Why didn't you have her earlier in the movie? And we tried to say how it would work to put her in earlier, but then we watched a couple of examples of them doing that in other movies and it sucked. So maybe that's not the right move. I like the move here where they have a new character introduced right about the same percentage through the movie as Mrs. Voorhees, but you meet them via flashback and photograph having never really been mentioned before. And then you find out they're dead and it feels like a misdirect, right? Yes. And that really helps take away that cheating element because then you can go to a character who existed the whole time, but not in a way that it felt like you were 
introducing them in the first scene just to have them double cross like they had a function and it was ally and now you're switching them to enemy but you're doing so by introducing a new character who's not them like way better execution way better than friday the 13th i hate to say it mm. and what's cool is they have uh trying to remember what the character's name is uh nichols they have him off screen calling sykes the one-armed man but you, you know, you just heard Kimball tell Nichols to tell them he's coming to the lab to get the samples for liver. Mm-hmm. So it still looks like he's helping them, but you don't know that Nichols is the one calling Sykes to go find him. Right. So it's like it's so well written that you don't even even then you don't think about him until the. I, I'm trying to remember when I watched this originally when I figured out that that guy was not who he says he was. And I think I might have, it might have paid off to me. I might, I might have been like, oh, 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 okay. I think I you're might, supposed might... to have that same moment when Kimball does, when he looks at the camera like, oh no, you know? And then it all kind of comes together for right. him and all comes together for you. And you're like, oh no, we've been betrayed this whole time. <laughs> it was the one on It's man. good, man. Um, I still... I still don't understand why they killed his wife. Was it just to get she was there. him out of the picture? I think they were supposed to kill him. Because oh. he was going to blow the whistle on RDU-90. Right. So that the drug did not work and they were covering it? Like basically covering its... Uh, well, the drug had... Side horrible effects. Side, side effects, effects that yeah. they were trying so they were to hiding the hide. side effects yeah. so that they can get approved okay right and that never uh, happens woof i will not comment that's just a area that's just not good uh, no, i mean it's a great it's a great story because it's stuff that could it's not outlandish it's stuff no. that does happen it's it's, in it's, it's corporate shit. corruption. It's it's to the top, it's to the bottom. It's shit we all think about, dude. Yeah. Shit we all think about. A lot of people have made so. a lot of money talking very fast at the end of commercials. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't talk fast at the end of a commercial if you're not at risk yeah. for doing something skeezy. It's like, take this for your headache. It causes anal bleeding. <laughs> like, I would rather have a headache. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow! It causes uh, bleeding. It causes <laughs> internal bleeding, which is fine because that's where the blood's supposed to be. <laughs> yeah. As long as it all stays the inside, it, it can't be bad, right? <laughs> that's a Brooklyn Nine Nine reference. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, nurse said it was all internal bleeding, which is where the blood's supposed to be anyway. It's so good. Uh, Jesus. Can we talk about future friend of the show? Future friend of the show, Daniel Roebuck. Who is big? Uh, now you've mentioned him a couple of times. Why are you such a big Daniel Roebuck fan? He, this movie number one, I I just really enjoyed. To me, if I was in, if I was in this movie, that was the character I would want to play. And we use the word hinky all the time because of this movie, and that little exchange. I met him a few times. He's a he's a, a huge horror fan he's actually playing 
Grandpa Munster in the new uh the Rob, Rob Zombie, Zombie one, project. Right? Yeah. yeah. Which he has a mustache and I don't like that, but he's so good. I'm sure he'll be fine, but I just don't like the mustache. Um he's a model kit guy. I own a couple of his model kits. He's like a he's just he's like he played Jay Leno in in uh, the late shift. They did a, like an HBO movie about the the battle between David Letterman and Jay Leno. He played Jay Leno. Uh He's a lot like Jay Leno in real life. Very likable, very personable, very charitable. Keep yeah. stealing nice things guy. from Conan O'Brien. Just like <laughs> Jay Leno. Just like Jay Leno. Uh, no, Jay Leno now. Like when Has he's, a huge car collection. I don't know if he does. No. But uh, yeah, he's just a really cool guy. And I'm just throwing shit at the wall. He's one of those guys that probably uh, we would be a good guest, I think. He's done a lot of... Th- I've heard him on the radio a few times at Preston and Steve. He's, he's got a big repertoire of, you know... Preston and Steve is a uh, regional show. Regional show. Uh, Although they're kind of national. Philly, People, uh, Philly morning show. Looking yes. at a picture of Roebuck now, if you got a good hairpiece, I think you could be his doppelganger, Travis. Me? Yeah. Yeah, but he's like 6'4". Oh, I don't know. Oh. From this picture, though, it just, I'm like, oh, that could be Travis if you had hair. Oh. Huh. Okay. Kind of funny. That is kind of funny. And I think he's a local guy, too. I'm not sure. I think he's from Philly, like the Philadelphia area, which is cool. But, yeah, he's just all right. Him and Joey Pantoliano, or Pan- Joey Pants. Joey Pants. Uh, I've loved him since I was a kid, too. He's just one of those guys that he's in everything. He's a good character actor. Uh, you see him, you know, he's which, playing the police chief, then he's playing a DJ. Which character was he? He was, uh, the Cosmo. He was the, the other guy in the threesome. Of, the ponytail. Of, no, not the guy with the ponytail. The short guy with the goatee and it looks like he's wearing a hairpiece. He's got a, wears a shield around his neck. Oh, okay. Uh, he had a few good one-liners, but, uh... Everybody kind of stepped back to Tommy Lee Jones with the one-liners in this movie. Right. He'll come into his own when we watch Bad Boys 2. And yes. you'll be like, oh, this is why everybody likes Joey Pants. Cause he... I have to tell you, I really like the guy with the ponytail. Yes, he's Just very saying. good, too. Very subtle character He as was well. a very competent uh, young man mm-hmm. with uh, longish hair <laughs> pulled back. Yeah, I, uh, I think much I see like, where you're going with much this, like George. You. Much like myself. But that's um, a great scene, too, when he's like, when he shoots the other guy and they're outside talking. Oh, yeah. And it's supposed to be like heart to heart. Yeah. <laughs> he leans in. He's like, I don't bargain. <laughs> <laughs> he has like zero heart. Well, yeah. and I like that after, after the scene when they're leaving that house, he just delegates a bunch of work to his guys and then they do the work he delegates to them and everything yeah. keeps moving. Like, you just this movie leans on the competence of these guys, and it's just refreshing in a world where I feel like most of the time writers will use job incompetence as a cop out to make the action happen. Right. And or here add it to just the drama. Yeah, and, and it here out. it just they just function like, oh, that's nice. Now they like George said earlier, they were so on top of things that they were they were literally in Kimball's back pocket. A few times, like it's just like yeah, and that actually adds to the suspense yeah. of the movie. How close they, uh, I mean, not just the marshals, but also the police. Just how close he came, uh, how close, uh, Kimball came to being caught. 
before he started putting himself in position. Right. When he was just trying to get away. Multiple times. And and sometimes it was just kind of by chance. They both found the same guy in prison for armed robbery, and they both went there on the same day, and it was just kind of by chance. Right. And I think a lot of times, I, I mean... That kind of, I don't know, I guess that kind of like reflects real life, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in, in, in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, like Dan said a couple episodes ago, you know, uh, people who are committing crimes should be like super, uh, you know, anal about not coming in contact with the police at all. Right. Because police find people because of like parking tickets. Right. You know, like they have a warrant. And yeah, they drive like, like an idiot. Like that's how the police find people. Normal. So like, <laughs> and that is some. I mean, it, it's it's crazy how this shit works. But like, that's kind of how it is. Yeah. What like, I love when you he can wakes get up, so close and not even realize how close you are. Right. Kimball wakes up in his like rented flat, gross house, and the yes. cops are outside, and he's <laughs> freaking out, and you're freaking out because you think they nailed him somehow, and then you think, oh wow, okay, it's just that this kid is a a bad guy. But then they pay it off that the kid sells him out, yeah. and they don't yeah. beat you over the head with it. I like the way that they do that because you could miss completely that the kid sold him out and told them mm-hmm. he was there. You could just think, oh, well, they finally caught up. But like, it's just this subtle little story turn where you think, oh, he's in danger. Oh, and now he's safe. Oh, now he's in more danger. Like, it's good. Good yeah. job, guys. And the thing about like, you know, if you know, if Kimball you know, freaked too early and jumped out the window. Yeah. He's fucked. Right. They weren't even there for him. But, like, it just, it's so close. They established very early and throughout that he's smart enough. Right. Like, uh, even with, um, when he goes to Sykes' house, he's smart enough to to touch the things he needs to touch, sit where he needs to sit. And how to get in. And claw from that, like. Without, get in without being noticed. Yeah, right? I mean, he breaks a huge window, but it's like... But the cops aren't looking at the roof, they're looking at the right. front door. Yeah. But when you think about how quickly everybody was on top of everything, this movie's before cell phones, it's before GPS, it's before all that. Like, this is real police work. Yeah. It's real, you know, investigation and, and assumption and all... It, it's all the stuff that you want in a movie like this. You don't yeah. want everybody to be like, oh, well, I'll just punch it in the computer and I'll get half the shit I need. Yeah, and nowadays it's, you know, like they back in back in the day they used to make the calls from, make a call from a payphone. Like right. it's, it's impossible to track because, I mean, you know where the phone is, but. Yeah, even after, tracing a payphone, it's a payphone. I mean, yeah, trace the payphone all you want. You know where it's at. Right. But it's used 100,000 times a day yeah. and the guy who used it at that time is anywhere now. You know, so. That's kind of like the burner phone of our right, generation, right. right? So, like, criminals always have, like, these, like, busted-ass flip phones that, you know, that just, like, after they make an important like phone call, me. they just, like, break it and throw it in the trash because <laughs> that's all it's good for is making right. one call. That's <laughs> true. Uh, but, yeah. Well, and when Tommy Lee Jones busts into Kimball's apartment thing and, you know, he finds the, the trash and he's like, oh, we're eating oranges and making IDs, you know? Yep. The efficiency of that scene versus something that would like belabor a lot of looking in corners. Oh, we're piecing it together. That would just take too long. It would kill the pacing. Mm. But it's not this like psychic vision, you know, like, oh, here's 16 different unrelated things and I've put them together. No, this is just a guy who knows what, you know, what an ID fabrication looks like and he's on it. Let's keep moving. 
Competence, yeah. man. Yeah, they look in the trash can. Refreshing levels like, of competence. It's just And I, I love the scene where they establish that at the train crash when all your cops and your sheriffs and whatever are saying the things they all say. Ooh, the sheriff, the local sheriff, totally incompetent. Yeah. I forgot They're about him. They're all saying everything that you're expecting them to say. Mm-hmm. And the guy, the guard is telling the lie and they're wrapping it up in a little bow to make sure everybody's, you know, cover your ass. And it's like then, small town. And then they find the shackles. And he's like, oh! Like, and then he just <laughs> he just goes into... Guess this is my yeah, case now. He just goes into mode and that that's the famous, you know, every doghouse, outhouse, backhouse. Yeah. You know, that's when he turns on his thing and he doesn't end till the very end. Yeah. And to me, that's that's what makes this movie, like, one of my favorites, especially Tom Lee Jones, is he he creates a character... I don't know how much of it's written, like how much of it's on the page yeah. or how much of it he developed, but he sticks with it the whole time and it's it's solid. And y- you could improv with that character for 10 seasons on a TV show and never write it. Yeah. That's how solid that character is. Yeah. He could just go in and know know who he is and just give him situations. I like, uh, I, I really love the way they, uh, the way they, did his arc, mm-hmm. you know, going from the guy who literally doesn't care, like his job is to just catch the guy, bring the guy in, right? Mm-hmm. Doesn't care whether he's innocent or not. Like it's kind of like the defense attorney from last week, right? Um, and then <laughs> you know he 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 comes to care, right? Which is cool, but the way he shows it is by taking the cuffs off of somebody mm-hmm. who's obviously innocent and giving them a pack of ice. He reminds that's me of it. like every dad I knew in the eighties. <laughs> it's like, that's love right there. <laughs> yeah. Just here, here's he's, a piece of ice, put it on whatever hurts the worst. He's the rub some dirt on it, dad. <laughs> yeah. He's the walk it off dad. And, but I'm hugging you. <laughs> like, like, I love like, here's the ice pack. His character We're, had a, had a complete arc, but it didn't really change. Right. You know, it, it was... It kind of does. Like, he's like, uh, you know, I thought you said you didn't care, and he's just like, don't. He's like, don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. Yeah, right. it was that, like, it's, like I was saying, it's, it's, it's consistent. And you can see why during No Country for Old Men, we were saying how that character is almost like the retired version of, of this, this character. Of this character, yeah. Like, I want to see the prequel to No Country for Old Men. This see is that the guy. prequel. This is pretty much the prequel. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and I love his line about think me up a donut, and we, we talked about that before yeah. the show. But I love that I really, without seeing the script, I can't tell you whether it originally said some of those little sprinkles on top because it mm-hmm. feels like he's just riffing. Yes. But yeah. it might he's just be it. that he can just deliver a written line and own it as his own. But it wouldn't surprise me a bit if the original line was just think me up a cup of coffee and a donut, and he added the chocolate and the sprinkles and the, you know. Like yeah. he's just so good at it. I just can't. The character's see the definitely written that way because he does the the line where he's like, "Oh, that that guy's fish food." He's like, "Well, then go go get a rod and catch me the fish <laughs> that yeah. ate him." Yeah, like, that he's little just, bit of extra this, work. Yeah, he has those one liners constantly where you're like, "Okay, if he did make up the sprinkles line, the line before that, think me up a donut and all that stuff." Obviously, it was written, but maybe he embellished and added yeah. some things. But I would like to sit. This is another one, just like. You know, any great actor, you want to sit down and watch the movie while reading the script to see how much stuff they added. 
That's like a Bill Murray thing. Like I, I would love any Bill Murray movie. I would love to just sit down with the script and see how much shit Bill Murray made up. He as made he up went. as he went along. Well, another, and I'm not usually the big guy to point out the subtle acting bits, but uh, Tommy Lee Jones's face when you see that he figures out that Sykes is dirty, mm. and the way that he his face changes as he's interacting with Sykes at his house is just like perfection, right? Like yes. he just nails it. Just enough for the audience to be like, oh, yeah, he knows he's dirty. He's like, this sax is dirty. But well, not so bad thing. that he's like, it's just not over the top, right? It's yeah, close he's not enough to show the his poker face. That was good. He does the same thing with the, uh, uh, with the doctor. Yeah. Who is the double crosser, right? When, when he interviews him the second time, kind of just like informally in the hallway. And, you know, the doctor's trying to be like, listen, dude, I already talked to you. Get out of here. He it's different the second time mm-hmm. because he's he's on to him. Like, yeah, pretty he's much. Trying to give him enough pretty rope much, to hang but he's himself. kind of like like the way he's looking at him is kind of like, I know, I know what's going on. It's not right. Right. And he's like, Okay. He's like, Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like in his eyes, you're like, you know, he's like, mm, that is yeah, not already, this guy. I've already figured you out. This guy. Well, the thing with the Sykes is that I think Sykes represents everything that uh, Sam hates about Absolutely. cops. Like Absolutely, he's a dirty cop. He's a piece of shit. Yeah, hey, I do security. He's like, yeah, hey, sure you yeah, do. Yeah, you do security. <laughs> <laughs> so he's, he's I uh, work in sanitation. <laughs> you know, yeah, he's completely thing. onto him very early. Like even before he, uh, you know, that condescending. You see, you actually see it in real life when people are guilty of something, they just get very combative, very condescending about oh. You know, who are you? Or like, you can tell that they feel the guilt and they don't think that you know that they're guilty. So they're just going to get a rise out of you. And he's just kind of gives you enough rope to hang yourself and he lets you continue. Yes. Continue your bullshit. Keep yes. saying what you're saying. And you're just proving my point. You have that the right knew. to remain silent. Yep. Although, whether you do or not is up exactly. to you. Exactly. That's why that's good. Like, he knows why. A, B, and C happens on Kimball's end. Mm-hmm. But then he kind of goes in there not knowing. I don't know. Do you know why? Can you tell me why? Like, that, there's mm-hmm. just open-ended questions that are going to hang yourself. And and a person oh, and, uh, who's... and one more question. Yeah, one more question. Yeah. Yeah, all that stuff. It's all just textbook. But his delivery is so good. It's like, he, he, and one more question. It's just, he doesn't really... He already knows the answer to the question, or he doesn't. The answer to the question doesn't matter. He just wants to see how the right. person reacts to the question. The you know, thing, that kind of thing. Like Dan was saying, like when I look for subtleties in the acting, the thing I noticed most about the ponytail cop. Yep. By the end, you he's playing that character. Like I'm learning from this guy. Yes. I'm. I. I'm his. He's teaching. He me. calls him his kid. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's Robin me. to his Batman. Exactly. Yeah. So and then he takes an eye beam to the face, and it's like, ooh. <laughs> but uh, no, that was Pantoliano. <laughs> oh, is that Joey Pants? I thought it was yeah. Noah. I forget. No, no, Noah, Noah, Noah was, was in the he uh, was in the security in the security room, room with the cameras. You, when he goes in that room and he starts controlling that room, you start seeing a little bit of Tommy Lee Jones uh-huh. in there. And and I didn't catch that. I didn't catch that the first. 40 times I've watched this movie. Tommy Lee Jones <laughs> in this movie is the kind of person that makes disciples of people. Yes. You'll come across people like that mm-hmm. in your life. 
My dad is like him. Yeah. My dad, we just had this conversation, me and my sister, my sister and I, because uh, she was- The just, one that got you the gun rack? Yes. Yeah. We were just saying how when my dad walks, when he was younger, he still does it. He walks in the room, he commands the room. It doesn't matter yeah. whether he thinks you hate him, like him, whatever. He's there, and he's he's now taking control of the room. So it's like Tommy, good or bad. Yeah. And that's that's the way Tommy, he's going to walk in, and he's the center of attention. He makes sure everybody knows he's the center of attention, and he's the most important person. Wherever he goes, he's the most important person in that room. And to me, that's that's a personality trait that could either... You know, you live or die by the sword. Well, there, I don't think I don't think that's why he is a uh, maker of disciples. I think it's his competence. Yes, is like like Dan said, his his delegation. He trusts everybody to make you know yes. do their job. So he gives you the trust, but he also gives you the tools you need to do your job. Yeah, he's always you know in the the one when they're all in the room and he's like, ah, you gotta trust the big dog because he's always right. You know mm-hmm. that kind of thing, and then he ends up. You know, he's like, how the hell do you know what a L sounds like versus a train that's on the ground? Like, blah 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 blah. Get the f out of here, and then it ends up being that. Yeah. And you know, he's feeling sheepish, but, and he does admit, you know, basically in a, like a ah, you son of a bitch kind of way, you got me. But he admits it. Yeah. But he know? was right. I and, mean, and there's no, no condescension. <laughs> no, well, he was wrong. Yes, he was wrong, but. He was but, right. <laughs> yeah, he was. He was in wrong. his mind. He's totally not, it. but not unwilling to admit that. Right. Like, holy shit! You know, good job. Mm-hmm. And you know, it doesn't like dwell over it or whatever. Or treat someone like a child. You know, oh, good job, great. And it's like, it's like, holy shit! Look at you. All right, let's go. There's a bunch like, of movies that do that whole underlying sound. Uh, that was cool. Yeah, where he's that's like, police work, yeah. man. That's that's that actually happens in the Spider-Man movie too. It's Does like they the oh, wait no that's that's a Staten Holly ferry. That's the that's that's like right around the corner. Like that that reference shows up still to this day. It's what this movie's thirty years old. That that kind of stuff is perfect. That's a perfect way to show good police work. Just little bells, little sound, little L. The hell you know what if a elevated train sounds like. Yeah, the hell do you know if it's an L or if a train that's running across the ground? You kind of know. And then the other guy's like, no, 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 I live next to an L. I can yeah, tell. That sounds just like the one in Philly. And, and he's kind of just incredulous, like, really? I mean, come <laughs> on, guys, really? And then sure enough. I knew it the whole time. I knew it the whole time. So good. <laughs> and so there's no condescension in that in that room, and there's no, uh, you know, problem with the ranks. Like No. He he is who he is. It's a tight ship, man. And they play into it. Like when yeah. he's like the big dog, you know, always big dog's always right. And he's like, rawr, rawr. like yeah. they're they're not there's there's no anger. There's no yeah, he thinks nobody, he's in charge. Nobody there's resents no, him. No, no, there's no pissing contest. Yep. And that's what you want. Yes. Now it's not just the the cops and everybody who are competent. I like that the innocent bystander people are suspicious the entire movie of Kimball. And they keep showing, like, the guard at the jail is like, wait, why did he leave? He didn't talk to the guy. Mm -hmm. Suspicious, Mm -hmm. right? These people are not just deluded and faces in their phones and not paying attention. Like, everybody's got the potential to be a witness and everybody is paying attention in this movie. Mm -hmm. It's like the difficulty level for Kimball is just ratcheted up. 
Yeah, the one uh, the one doctor notices that he's looking at the X-ray. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's smart enough to say, "Yeah, it's well, it's a hobby." Like yeah. that's a good explanation for why a janitor's looking at an X-ray. Yeah. You know, because you know I have stupid weird hobbies like that. Like it's like I what? hated her. How do you then. know how to pick a lock? It's like, <laughs> wow, it's my hobby. Like that's a good explanation, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, Back when this movie came out, I was like, "What? What a wench!" <laughs> <laughs> like we didn't let them. And then you find out later he saved the kid's life, and it's like, see? And then yeah. she she even has a little change of heart. Well, he's also, uh, Kimball is also a uh, a maker of disciples as well. Yes. I mean, really, yeah, these guys are both two sides of the same coin, right? Yes. Yeah. Hence exactly. they're like constant parallel detective quest and all this. Mm-hmm. There's there's a movie we, we wouldn't watch on this show, but... Uh, there's a movie called um, Regarding Henry, which is a Harrison Ford film. And it's about a guy who becomes a Kimball, but wasn't a Kimball in the beginning. He was more like a Nichols. But something happens in his life that causes him to have to Okay. Change the way he is. And people that took him for granted and or put up with his shit because of who he was, he now has to actually love them. <laughs> and they have to love him. Okay. It's a really good movie. And it, it shows his range because he's pretty much known as a one trick pony. He's Harrison Ford. Yeah. I yeah. mean, and every, he has a, he, every Harrison Ford impression you've ever heard is just a guy going. Yeah, and then every once in a while he'll like say, "Get off my plane!" Like he'll <laughs> he'll, he'll show emotion. What the hell is an aluminum falcon? <laughs> What's an aluminum falcon? Um, but regarding Henry and I think Sabrina is another good Harrison Ford movie where they he actually shows some range. But regarding Henry is a very good movie. As a as a dad, as a successful person okay. yeah. I, I would suggest watching it's just not probably not a good movie for this venue it's not well known enough for it's like, no it's well known it's just kind of a I don't know maybe it's like along the lines of like as good as it gets or like uh, officer and gentleman or or uh, oh come on the, think of a third movie I haven't seen come on what's the one uh Terms of Endearment, like just <laughs> just a movie that is really really good, Oscar nominated quality, yeah, but dude. it's just not. I love when you try to explain a movie by naming other movies that, <laughs> that I you've never seen. seen. Well, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> well, these are movies you could go watch. Sure, that you don't need us to do. You know what I'm gonna watch next on my own time? Rogue One. I need it's to watch that movie. too. I, my kid says it's the worst one, but my grown-up friends what? say it's the best one, and I that's think what it's my so grown, good. That's what my grown-up friends say. Yeah, it's good because I keep telling my friends who love Star Wars, and I'm like, eh, I mean, like the first, like the first three, meaning like the originals, right? I'm like, yeah, but everything else is kind of like meh. And they were like, well, you need to see Rogue One. Then Rogue One's a good, like, good oh, okay. movie. Multiple people have told me that, and it bleeds right in the. Well, I know, the Star I know, it's Wars, g- so. I I know that I know that it's kind of like the so lead. it has a good payoff, is what I'm saying. Yeah, like you know where it's going. <laughs> I know about the the yeah the Vader scene right. at the end. That whether you know or not, the movie itself is a good movie. Yeah, the ending's just 
fan service. Fan service, yeah. yeah. And which, th- yeah. Hey, I those mean, fans who, pay who plenty. They deserve a good servicing. That's what I yes, always say. That's true. Well, they get they get a good servicing. Jesus, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, they get a happy ending. <laughs> now, one thing I, we were talking about the parallel investigation: Kimball versus Gerard. I really like how the writers set it up to where Kimball's able to narrow it down with his research on on the artificial Pres- limbs and, and the limbs, yeah, and like the the specifics of like the joints and all those things mm-hmm. based on his memory. And of course, Gerard doesn't have access to that, but he's able to use his resource, which is the criminal uh, records. And right. so they both use like their individual abilities to narrow down the field and land almost simultaneously on Sykes. Like, yeah, that's cool. What's funny is Kimball gets down to five, and I think what uh, Sam got down to like forty-five. <laughs> yeah. So because he didn't have the the uh, memory. That Kimball, you know that, and event. also, and also, Kimball is a doctor that read a book about. Well, because that, that's what he was reading in his in his little apartment. He knew the guy he attacked had a right arm, yeah. had a broken elbow. Like he knew all the he stuff. He knew that, which, that yeah, Sam which bone know. it was. Blah blah blah. Right. But then also, he kind of like you can see him researching, yes. this field because he's a doctor. It's not like super far fetched for a doctor to just be like, all right, let me get. A feel for like all what the this, information. What this field like? What's the lingo in this field? Blah right. blah blah. So that when I sit down at that computer and I search this, I know exactly what I need to search. Mm-hmm. You know, he's like, I'm gonna go clean the blinds. <laughs> <laughs> so good. So good. He's like hitting it with the sweep, <laughs> the broom. Like, yeah, I, I, I almost wanted that uh, technician or whoever was like in the other room on the other side of the blinds. To like eventually just be in that room and like look at the blinds and then just to be still like dirty <laughs> and and what just kind of like you know, what the fuck you know kind of <laughs> like you know Dan was saying like just like the the side I love the side how they people didn't are make her to. uh like they went the other route that it made sense that she didn't really get involved because she was just an artist she's had her music playing yeah she's painting the hand. I'm just there to do fingernails. Like I'm not here. I'm not a. I'm not a medical technician. Yeah. I'm not a. I don't really care what he's doing in there. I just. I'm an artist and I'm painting. So yeah. it kind of made it made it easier to believe that he's going to be in there doing that and not get bothered. Because you're right. If it was a medical doctor, they would have probably gone in and out of that room a few times and asked him what he was doing, see what he. But even though he was a he was a custodian when the printer the printer starts going <laughs> he starts really going with the broom so she <laughs> can't hear it. it it's more oh, subtle it's than so like good. fake coughing i guess yeah right now speaking <laughs> of keeping things clean guys a few weeks ago you guys i think it was george mentioned the janitor from scrubs was in i think the rock and we we're like oh no, no not the janitor from scrubs it's it's dr cox the janitor yeah. from Scrubs is in this movie as the transit cop. Oh. Oh my god, really? Yeah. And they on the show Scrubs they actually play into the fact that that's like him in a previous career. I forget the there's some they make connections to Fugitive all the time because he plays janitor on Scrubs. That's so funny. <laughs> and I love that scene so much and I can't talk about it too much yet because we haven't watched any Wait, of the movies that use cop it. Get shot? Yeah, he dies. <laughs> How's that a prequel? To I don't that? remember. I didn't watch Scrubs very much, uh, but I remember that they played it up at some point. Maybe it was just they looked alike. I don't know. But guys, 
there is a um, <laughs> there's a famous shot that Brian De Palma uses a couple of times that Dario Argento also uses, and I think the two of them go back and forth, somewhat friendly competition ways. You know, I invented it. No, you invented it. No, you stole it. No, you stole. It. You know that kind of thing. Mm. And I'm not going to tell you about what that shot is. But it's really good. And every time school. I see it in a movie from one of those two guys, I go, ah, there's my shot. You know, they do an inversion of the Brian De Palma, Dario Argento shot in the scene with the janitor on the train. And I'm just going to leave it at that so that later when we've watched a movie that has that shot in it, I can be like, hey, you remember janitor on the train? <laughs> this is the inversion of that. Okay. So that's I'm investing in our future shows. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> He just planted an apple seed in seven <laughs> years. It'll be ripe. He just put a pin in it. Well, hey, Tenebrae comes out on 4K at the end of July. Maybe we should hurry up, get that one toward the top of the pile. As we get near the end of The Fugitive, there is a confrontation at the end between Dr. Nichols, the turncoat, Dr. Kimball, the hero, Dr. Gerard, the hero's enemy, but also still a good guy. Very much gave me a, a feeling of the end of the good, the bad, and the ugly, mm-hmm. but without all the revolvers. Yes. Hmm. Just thought I'd point I, that out. Felt lo- like the good, love, the bad, and the ugly. <laughs> I love the line, the comforting line. Like, I, what does he say? I know you didn't kill your wife. Like, it was like almost right. like a confirmation. You're you're going to be safe if you stick with like Dan said. Stick with me. These cops want to kill you because you're a cop killer in their mind. No, he straight up told him that too. Yeah. But it's just like that was when he, if the character hearing that line, it, it's like a weight off your shoulders because that's that's why you risked everything. Yeah, you risked everything to hear those words, and uh, it's like a it's like the perfect ending I think to that movie, minus the uh, obviously in the car with the ice pack but just to see the justification of his behavior or vindication yes yeah it satisfies that quest absolutely I'm glad you liked it it's a good movie man it's solid it's one of those movies you'll watch again and again maybe not all the way through unless you sit with Meg or whatever but it's. I sat with, with Gabe last night and watched it, and I've seen it like fifty times. And it's as good now as it was in '93 when I first saw it. So yeah, this is one I didn't watch that much as a younger kid, but my wife's family—it's their all-time favorite movie. So mm-hmm. in the past fifteen years, I've seen it many times and i like it more every time we've actually showed the kids already that was their first like hard pg-13 type movie and you know it was thrilling i think probably too thrilling at times for my nine-year-old but uh, Mm. he liked it it's a good it's a good way to watch a movie like silence of the lambs with your kids without all the shit in it (laughs) yeah nobody gets jizzed on yeah it's like it's as impactful it's as stressful and epic without the guts you know the, it's a you know, and the, yeah the gore it's a tight it. it's a tight story yeah. the characters are really good and it rewards like active viewing which for these tiktok kids you really need to make sure that yeah. they're like learning to focus yeah 
I I actually said it to him. I was like, put your phone down, watch the movie. Because he was like, oh, start playing it. He was going to get his ice cream and stuff. I'm like, no, no, no. Everything that happens in this movie happens for a reason. Yeah. From beginning to end, sit and watch it. Put your phone down. It's a good lesson. Watch it. I think we're going to need to make that a a standard practice, you know, for these kids where it's just like, okay, uh, you've had your time now. Put it all away. We're going to focus. Yeah. He's learning that, like, when we watch The Batman. Like, he's, he watched that movie twice. Yeah. And for a TikTok kid who said Alien was boring, uh, he's learning. I think uh, you you at some point you come to the realization, and it, I think it has to be uh, the right movie. If it's movies that we're talking about paying attention to, it could be anything that you need to pay attention to. It's got to be the right thing that catches you. Right. That it catches you in such a way that you're kind of like enthralled with it. And it's like the first thing that you've ever really paid attention to closely. Mm -hmm. And you're like, Oh my gosh, how much stuff that I missed that I did just didn't pay attention to. And then that light bulb kind of goes, goes on in your mind. And from that point forward, uh, you're an adult. And then eventually right. your friends start a podcast <laughs> you're, and show you all the rest of the movies. Person. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> you find out, oh, I was so drunk when this movie came out that I didn't even know what I watched. That is, I mean, that's my story. <laughs> I mean, that, that that is that is me with movies. I mean, think about it. You sat through a 1960 black and white movie and you loved it. It's true. That's pretty epic. But I know that, I mean, I know that for me, like there's, I mean, there's a handful of movies that are like that for me. Right. That I, if I, I mean, there are literally movies that I didn't appreciate until I actually watched them. I saw them. They were on in the right. room with me, but I didn't really watch them. <laughs> you know, it's like white men can't jump. Yeah, you, you can listen to Jimmy, but you can't hear Jimmy. Right. Exactly. Right. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, it's like that with uh, with a lot of things. You know, like. You know, me and Dan both, you know, play the guitar, mm-hmm. right? Uh, that is not an easy thing. I think probably I'd have to like look at the data, but I don't. It's probably seventy percent of people that try to learn the guitar give up. Oh, I would say. I believe it. It's something. It's got to be that high. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe even higher. But it's a passion thing. When you, you have to have the passion. When you hear that thing, and you're you know you're listening you're listening to it, and you're not just like. You don't just you know you don't just hear it or you know you're you actually going hear through it. emotions. You actually are you, you're actually invested. actively listening, mm-hmm. and then you appreciate, and then you learn enough to know how hard that is, and you start appreciating more, and it kind of just snowballs into this thing that just becomes your thing, right? So it 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 just happens at some point, and I hope that this you know movie is like that for your son. I hope so, or. Something like that to get and and judge not just your son, not that it's just your son. It's it's all these kids. Like some some. I hope something grabs each kid so that they can get off of TikTok for yeah. God's sake. What are we uh, What are we but watching next for, week? For, uh, for Gabe, it was weird science. <laughs> hey, listen, hey, yeah, fine. <laughs> it, it doesn't matter what it is, but just all right. So what were you say, Dan? I was gonna say <sighs> uh, next week. I I am excited to tell you guys. Next week is our one hundredth episode. 
Yes. Mm. So Travis, what are we gonna watch on our one hundredth episode? Uh, Ooh, with a special watch... guest. We have a special guest coming. Do we tell him who the special guest is? I think he I think can I probably figure know. it out because we're recording who is it? at our regular oh, English know. time. Yes. We're yeah. Recording across the pond. Uh, yes, Richard is going to be uh, joining us for a for 100th episode. A fish called Wanda 2. <laughs> that does not exist, but okay. should. Um, <laughs> we are going to watch a movie that... You have already told me you know about. Okay. But I'm not really sure how much you know about it. Okay. So we are going to take this time to do the classic. To really watch it. To really watch a classic Spinal Tap. Wow. Which is not actually watch. the name of the movie. Oh, what is the name of the movie? I think uh, this, this is Spinal Tap. This is Spinal this Tap. This is Spinal yeah, Tap. I always miss the little... Uh, and American Werewolf. And American Werewolf. This is Spinal Tap. This wow, is that's going to be Tap. such a good episode with and Richard. And it's got a lot of freaking music. Oh my God, it's going to be so fun. I might sit out for this episode. <laughs> nah. Nah. I'll, I'll, uh, I, it's been a long time since I've seen the movie, so uh, it'll be interesting. I've seen it uh, a few times. I'm excited about that. But it's been a while. Cool. Do you know anything about it? Other than the one line I, that you said to me? I know that it's... Uh, that it goes up to eleven. <laughs> yeah, I know that line, and I know that the the plot is kind of like eighties band related, okay, rock related. But you don't know I who's think. in it. You don't know what it's. Uh, if I say it and I'm wrong, I'll sound stupid. So I'll say it. Is Brendan Fraser in it? Yes. Okay. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I mean, we could watch Airheads next if you we'll want to. We'll watch Airheads. That's <laughs> a Buscemi film. We'll watch it. Um, Airheads. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't really remember it at all. <laughs> We're gonna watch Encino Man. <laughs> oh man! We're gonna watch George of the Jungle. But you do, uh, yeah. Uh, yes, Brendan Fraser's in it. Cool. Let's go that route. Sure. In a trench coat with a machine gun. <laughs> Oh, uh, shit. Actually, I would like to see Brendan Fraser in Spinal Tap. Uh, fuck this it. Spinal Tap. It's good radio. <laughs> <laughs> Probably going to sound stupid, so I'll just say it. All right. Thank you, listeners, All George. Right, cool. Thanks, listeners. Say goodnight, Gracie. Peace out, guys. Thank you for joining us on the Remedial Film Class podcast. As always, you can find us at facebook.com slash remedialfilmpod. We'll be back next week with our 100th episode, This is Spinal Tap, with Richard from the Chasing Tone Podcast. See you then. Now, George, you said you had a Wild Things update for us here. Oh, yeah. He did not sleep through the end. I... Finally. uh, I attempted to watch the last half hour, which you recommended I do. (laughs) Shaking his head. You know, like you do. His luscious locks are moving. I tried three times. Third time's the charm, George. Dude, no, no. I fell asleep three times. Oh, that was a three-way joke. Never mind. Yeah, right, yeah. The fourth time. Actually, the third time, I fell asleep. And then I woke up like right at the end and I was like, oh, fuck me. And I went back and I stayed awake. Nice. This time. And Did I, you wake up with Kevin Bacon in your bedroom naked? Dude, I actually got to see Kevin Bacon's dick 
twice at least. Nice. So there's that. <laughs> there is that. Um, you get the T-shirt. <laughs> I think. I mean, the first time I watched the last half hour, I think I was kind of like in and out mm. because. <laughs> I, because I, I, that's say no. more. Yeah, uh, I was in and out of consciousness, <laughs> and I remember because I, I texted you guys and I was like, all right, so like, just tell me what happens because I, I know that like, you know, Kevin Bacon's character teams up with the teacher guy, yeah, and like that. I know that that, that uh, Nev Campbell's still alive, but like, I don't get the point, guys. And you were like, <laughs> nope, you have to watch it. <laughs> And I'm like, what the fuck? Stop watching it in and out. Uh, I, I was. I mean, I was like, <laughs> I was in and out of that, sleeping, not sleeping. You know, like I hear a big gunshot and I like wake up and I'm like, oh, it's the fucking end of the movie. Um, so, anyways, I finally got through the whole thing. Wow. It was like and a term paper for you. <laughs> I still don't see what at least Dan sees. I think. Trap, you agree with me. It's All not right. a very good movie. Watch it again. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> From beginning to end. God, get no. a nap. Grab some marshmallows. You're not serious. Watch it again. You're From not serious. From beginning to end with the character development and the reveals not four weeks apart. I'm not doing that. <laughs> it was one week apart. The thing about Wild that. Things is it's it isn't the fugitive. It isn't. No. Great, but it's like so silly that it, you shouldn't hate it as much as you hated it the first time. Like you were being a poor sport for a movie that wasn't trying to impress you with its, you know, multi-tiered, multifaceted complexity. No, it's just a goofy movie with some boobs in it. But it's like it's fun and kind of ludicrous at the end. I don't think that it thinks it's a goofy movie. I no, think it thinks it's it takes a good itself movie. very seriously. But sometimes taking it's, yourself seriously makes it even more goofy. Yeah, it's kind of like a Verhoeven film. <laughs> I mean, I would warn you that in the future, movies might really act like straight face serious, and that adds to why they're funny. Mm. You know? Like, that's funny. Yeah. Sometimes you're laughing at a movie, is what I'm saying. Okay, so is there anything that you guys want me to know that no, I missed. I'm just, just glad to... you did it finally. <laughs> we just wanted you to finish this. Assignment. You guys suck. <laughs> did, you, did you make it through like all the alternate like pre-credits yes. alternate information they give oh, you? Did which... you watch the, the post-credit scenes? Yes. It's such a weird dynamic they to show be like, her pulling her own teeth out. Here's our work yeah. so you don't think we cheated. And it's not like, amused. I don't know. That movie's weird. Yeah. But I'm glad you finally watched it for the third time. I hated it. We can remove that incomplete from your from your transcript GPA. Yeah, yeah. That was a that would be a W. Yes, that'd be a withdrawal. <laughs> Listen, well, I mean, a lot of can't people make probably through, did when they saw that movie. If he can't make it through that movie, he's not making it through Showgirls. Oh it's man, it's not about make it through. I mean, I could have sat there and watched it, but I just, I, I just, I made the choice. You know, it's like I just—I made the choice. Twenty nine <laughs> minutes in, I was like, "This movie sucks. You did. And it is not worth my time." Well, see, that—that's a—that is you two. Like, you made two day. decisions, is what you did. Because yes, that movie could be seen as a movie that sucks. Other movies that suck are also worth watching. And so that's the yeah. tricky part: is we need to hone your skills to the point that you can identify a movie as a poor effort, but also. See it for why it's worth looking at. 
See, I'm fine with you doing what you did with that movie. It would hurt me if it was like creep show or something that's like near and dear. Mm. Like if you did that if you did that with American Werewolf, I would have been like, "Wait, <laughs> you what? <laughs> you didn't make it to the end." But you were so heartbroken when I didn't like uh was that like the kids Stand by me. Yeah. But I understand why. Stand by me. It was like It is a nostalgia. You were heartbroken, dude. I was heartbroken was because you had talked about how you like tragedy and you like storytelling and you like this and that. And it's everything that you should have liked. Need a Bill Murray. Again, you also didn't have that <laughs> childhood though. No. You're so right. that I can understand that. Like that's that's my childhood. So I get it. That was when you tried to tell a story about how you saw a dead person and I kept cutting you off because mm-hmm. I thought it was funny. Yeah. No, that was a different episode, but yeah. No, that, that was it. Was it? I thought it was yeah, a was driving by a cemetery thing. I thought that was a different episode. We referenced it so many where times. where we found a dead body. <laughs> not, not I a found good, a dead body in the not cemetery. Not a fun episode for Travis. I mean, it's like internal bleeding, right? Like if you find a dead body in the cemetery, that's probably okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what the the that's, that's what the, uh, the greenskeeper guy said to me when I said we found the dead body. He's like, they're all dead. That's what he said to us. <laughs> <laughs> Call us when you find a live one in there. I said, no, one above ground. <sighs> Oof. Woof. Yikes. Buzz, your greenskeeper. Woof. Hey, but uh, <laughs> next week, guys, episode 100, Spinal Tap. I'm excited. Yes. Richard Oliver. And Richard Oliver Richard. from the Chasing Tone podcast. I just have to figure out how I'm going to work in uh, baboon erections into this episode. <laughs> yeah. Start working on that. <laughs> Playing all the hits, man. Because that's what he loves about our show. Yeah. That's what he stays for. <laughs> he stays for. <laughs> <laughs> for baboon erections. Jeez, uh, oh, shit. All right, dudes. Hey, so there have been right. three explosions outside my window tonight, and or maybe they're doing late night construction. But mm. yeah, didn't you have something that happened recently? Out yeah, there? a few weeks ago we had that big house fire. So a lot of fun. No, no, no. I mean, uh, there's something like on national news that happened. In, oh, in we had Kansas. a train derail. It was, it was outside of Kansas City, but like the train had left Kansas City and in the middle of the boonies hit a dump truck. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that'll do it. That'll derail your train. Yeah. We just saw it in the movie. Was it a passenger train? Yeah. Amtrak. A couple of people died. Oof. Not good. Mm. No. Not good at all. It wasn't a uh, an inmate bus that it hit, right? No. I was going to ask that if there were inmates in that dump truck, but that... <laughs> Thought it was in poor taste. <laughs> uh, so that's Yikes. what I bring to the table. There you go. Poor taste. <laughs> womp womp. Womp womp. <laughs>